Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm your host, Jordan Hill. Got Kip Adams with me today, a uh, lovely Monday afternoon, and a little bit of news we had to take care of, so push the podcast back just a bit. Uh, but Kip, how is this treating you week? We have basically reached uh, a couple days after the draft. You know, the hangover of sitting there and watching seven rounds should have subsided. Uh, how is uh, a new Monday and a chance to uh, regroup treat? Yeah, I'm refreshed and ready to go. It's, you know, new month. Uh, coaches, you know, out there hitting the road to, to see recruits. Again, we, I, I don't really – there truly is no offseason in this, and, there, there, you know, there's still plenty to talk about. But I got to be honest with you, that draft kind of took its toll. It felt like this year's draft was just – I know they're all, you know, the same length, but it just felt like it was going on forever. I know the coverage, you know, they, they, they like to drag it out, but – some of these teams taking, you know, the full however many minutes they had to make the pick when we all knew who they were taking. Uh, you know, it it took its toll. I, we were just kind of waiting there and just kind of waiting to see if, if some of these guys were going to go toward the end. And, you know, th- they did. But, man, it was it was a marathon. I'm ready to get, you know, to talk about that draft. But I'm just really just ready just to, you know, turn the page and and start uh you know breaking down some new things because uh that that draft was a long process and uh you know excite uh, congratulations to all those all the former players but you know obviously the former Georgia players that now have a, an opportunity to play in the NFL. Yeah, you're not kidding with the uh, uh, the length. I swear, I think Saturday took much longer than it used to because what was funny, and I was even messaging you as it was going on, we had plans, my fiance and I, for like 7 o'clock. And I was like, I mean, I'll be done by 5 at the latest. <laughs> and I'm messaging you like, uh, I got to go. Like, I have to go get ready. Like, this, I mean, you, you had a Motley Crue concert, which I'm not complaining. Um, you know, who else performed Fallout Boy? I mean, uh, you had every YouTube influencer from here from to Canada. Australia. You know, yeah. you, you just... It was uh, it was a bit much, but they're going to milk it. I get why it was that way, but uh, I was really running out the door once uh, Mister Irrelevant was announced. Yeah, it's uh, and then it was on to the uh, the undrafted free agents, and obviously, you know, a couple of Georgia players were able to to get some camp invites for that. But uh, overall, uh, you know, uh, it was entertaining, obviously, and you know, uh, we covered Georgia and. You know, some of us are Falcons fans, so we got to, you know, kind of watch that as well. But uh, it kind of seemed like, the, you know, the state of Pennsylvania took over the draft uh, with with what the, their two professional teams did. And obviously Georgia fans now are, you know, out there looking at, at Eagles and Steelers gear. Uh, just uh, an interesting, you know, how how it all went down and how those teams were able to get, you know, five Georgia players and, you know, obviously the, you know, the Rams grabbing a couple uh, as well. But uh, I, I think uh, overall, few surprises, you know, uh, it, it seems like a year ago we were talking about N'Kobe Dean and, and kind of where we thought he might go and similar situations this year w- w- with a couple Georgia players in this draft uh, with Darnell Washington and Keely Ringo. So, that's kind of where my mind thought when I'm looking over this draft and, and 
saying, did anything surprise me? I, I think it's, it's a reminder that I guess NFL teams, sometimes they overthink things, but also sometimes there, there are things that, you know, maybe we're not privy to in, in the draft process. Let's jump right into it, uh, Kip. Ten Georgia players are drafted. Three more sign uh, after the fact. Um, you know, we'll go through it real quick. Three first rounders: Jalen Carter to the Eagles, Broderick Jones to the Steelers, Nolan Smith also to the Eagles. There was a little bit of a uh, a pattern there with Philadelphia. Uh, the uh, third round: Darnell Washington finally goes off the board to the Steelers. A couple of fourth round picks: Keely Ringo again goes to the Eagles. Stetson Bennett to the Rams. I believe he was the seventh quarterback off the board. Uh, he went in the fourth round. Fifth round, Chris Smith to the Raiders. Fifth round, Robert Bill to the San Francisco 49ers. Warren McClendon also goes to the Rams. And in the seventh round, the tenth and final Georgia player picked uh, was Kenny McIntosh, who went to the Seattle Seahawks. We'll kind of go individually with some of these guys, but just on the whole, you see these ten guys, where they landed, what do you make of this draft class from Georgia, a class that wound up standing beside Alabama with the most players picked from one school at 10? I think that's, you know, that's right where we kind of had it. I thought, you know, 10 guys would get drafted. Um, for the most part, uh, it kind of ran to how we expected. A couple guys, I mean, a couple guys went slightly earlier than we thought. Uh, I mean, one, I don't think a lot of people – had pegged Stetson Bennett to go in the fourth round. Um, myself, I thought, you know, mid sixth round for him. And, you know, he goes 128th overall to, I mean, I don't know if, if what your projection was, but I don't know if you could pick really a better situation for him as far as just looking at that, you know, the Rams roster basically just, I mean, it's just Matthew Stafford. And then, I mean, maybe Stetson just slides right in as the backup to a, a quarterback that, has missed some time and, you know, is, is not a spring chicken. Uh, you know, everyone kind of joked that, you know, they're basically the same age. So uh, you, you got a couple veteran quarterbacks in there and a good situation for, for Stetson to go in there and potentially uh, have a legitimate role. So for him, and then, uh, you know, I think, I guess the other one might be uh, as far as just guys going earlier uh, may, than maybe expected. I think, you know, Robert Beal, going inside the top 200, um, you know, trying to project where he was going to go was, you know, kind of difficult with the, uh, the, you know, his combine performance at 40 time kind of put him uh, on the radar as far as his projections go. I thought he might go right around pick 200 in the sixth round as well. So for him to go in the fifth round, again, a guy that uh, not only tested well, but got a lot of playing time the last two years at Georgia and, and obviously led Georgia in sacks one, one year as well. So, uh, also, you know, going to San Francisco, an opportunity for him to, to make that roster, make an impact. But other, other than that, it was really just about Darnell Washington and Keely Ringo being on the board a little bit longer than, than what we projected. And with, you know, some medical, uh, things popping up with both of those. I mean, that makes it make a little bit more sense because I mean, Darnell Washington, we were talking about, you know, a potential first round pick there and a guy that, you know, may have been the best, the most talented tight end in the draft. And then obviously Keely Ringo, the size, the the testing numbers, and, and you know, he has good film uh, out there as well. We thought he might make it into the first round. So for them to go into third and fourth round, a little bit of surprise there. But when, when things come out as far as medical, like we said with Keely Ringo, I mean, with uh, Nicobe Dean last year and then also with Jamari Sawyer last year, 
guys are on the board a lot longer than we uh, expected. But as we saw with Jamari, you know, you, you can definitely make uh, a lot of teams regret that. And I think, you know, you'll get Darnell Washington. That's definitely a, a guy that has a chance to do just that. Looking at this class as a whole, something, and I believe I'm going to write something about this on Tuesday, mention it in one of my Hills spiel, uh, is checking out, when you look at this group as a whole, look at the situations the majority of these guys landed in. These are really, really good teams. The Eagles picked three Georgia players. They played for the Super Bowl. Probably should have won the Super Bowl, really, if you look at how that game played out. Um, you look at the Rams, they are rebuilding, but they've been there. Um, and have that Super Bowl. Vegas is kind of the outlier getting Chris Smith because they're trying to build up, but they got a, a guy that a lot of people believe in and Josh McDaniels and a guy that could wind up turning things around there in Las Vegas. Uh, but you look at Pittsburgh. I mean, you know, other than like New England, um, you know, there's a few teams in that run, but Pittsburgh is like the ideal situation of, you know, consistent winner. I mean, my entire life of watching football, I can't really think of a losing season Pittsburgh's had. They are always so very good. Um, it's probably not a coincidence. They've got a few Steeler, a, a few Georgia players there with the Steelers, um, with Darnell, with Broderick Jones, uh, and also having George Pickens last year. So, you know, Robert Bill with the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, they're a team that a lot of people think could be in contention again. Remember, they played in the NFC Championship against those Eagles. Kenny McIntosh with the Seahawks. There's not really... You know, I would say outside of Chris Smith with the Raiders, all these teams could very well be in the conference championship games come uh, next winter. They're, they're really good teams, and you think that's great situations for those Georgia guys. Some of those guys may not be able to start right away because of that, but it really could probably serve them in the long run. They are in franchises that know how to win. They know what winning looks like. They know the standard, and I think that's only going to set these guys up well to have success in the NFL and to be able to have a lasting impact in the league, getting a chance to start with such really good franchises. Yeah, and then overall, I mean, looking at this draft and and looking at the guys, you know, specifically from Georgia that were selected and seeing, you know, again, was it three, five more guys on on the defensive side of the ball get drafted? And, and you, you know, you see all the the graphics go out uh from georgia and, and other accounts looking at that 2021 georgia defense now you know every every starter i think was drafted but then you also had backups you know uh, jalen carter was you know technically not a starter and then chaining tyndall going in the third round uh, a guy that you know never even started at georgia going in the third round last year robert beal and, and even amir speed you know, uh, you know, I know he ended up at, at Michigan State, but he was drafted in the seventh round. That's that's what that's 15, 15 players on that defense getting drafted. Uh, I think that's remarkable. And obviously having twenty-five guys now drafted in two years, they set the single draft record last year with fifteen, and now they have the the two year draft record at twenty-five. Uh I mean it just it kind of just tells you, you know, about the program Kirby Smart's built there. I mean, and there are still guys from that defense who are still playing college football from that could still be drafted. I mean, Kamari Laster was on that roster, Smile Munden, Javon Bullard, uh, Javon Dumas Johnson. You know, they ended up having close to 20 guys that that played snaps on that on that, you know, defense getting drafted, which is just incredible uh for the program. But uh overall, I think, you know, 
you look at this draft, I, I think uh, it went about how you expect it to go overall for Georgia as far as guys drafted. And even at the end, you know, watching that video of Kenny McIntosh get drafted by the Seahawks. And I know that uh, they kind of have uh, a couple young guys there and Kenneth Walker and they, and they just, they drafted another running back in the second round, but uh, that you want to talk about a team that the, you know, loves to utilize the running back position. I don't think Kenny McIntosh, even though he got taken the seventh round, dinged a little bit because of that 40 time. I don't think he could have walked into a, a program that's going to, you know, give an opportunity to play a big role in a, in a rushing attack in the Seahawks. They, they've had some good ones over the years, but it seems like, you know, they they draft running backs every year, but then they use those running backs. So it's still a good situation for him, as you said. So I think a lot of these guys are, are going to have a chance to stick and, and make an impact in the league. I think my favorite thing from the weekend was some of the Seahawks uh, fans that I follow when they started drafting running backs, they were like, just Pete can't help himself. Like he, that's like, he just has to go get him a running back. Then they get Kenny and make it too. Uh, we will take a quick break, come back, talk a little bit more in depth about some of these guys who were picked and then also talk a little bit about the transfer portal and uh, why we had to delay the podcast a few minutes, a big addition for Georgia men's basketball. Welcome back, everybody. Well, let's start, Kip, with the first round. Three Georgia players go off the board. You have Jalen Carter, ninth overall, to the Philadelphia Eagles, who traded up with the Chicago Bears to make that pick. 14th overall, you've got Broderick Jones to the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers also traded up. They traded up with the New England Patriots to make that pick. And then 30th overall, Nolan Smith also goes to the Eagles. That was the Eagles' original pick there as the runner-up in the Super Bowl. What did you make of the landing spots for all three of these guys? How sort of the board fell with these Georgia players and the fact uh, that they are all headed to the state of Pennsylvania in two franchises that are very well considered Super Bowl contenders in year one for these guys? Yeah, with the Eagles, some people were like, well, this is a team that I think had the third most sacks in NFL history last year. You know, kind of why, why would they, uh, you know, go back to the well, but I think that's exactly why, you know, they went and made sure they got more pass rushers. Cause you kind of look at their roster and, you know, the guys they got coming back are, are kind of on, they're on one year deals, uh, getting up there in age and they're, they're already preparing for the future, just like they did with, you know, last year, you, you're bringing guys like Jordan Davis and the Kobe Dean, not because you need them now, because you know, you're going to need them, you know, in the future, you prepare for next season, a year ahead. It's kind of what, you know, I think they're doing with Nolan Smith, uh, you know, ha having a guy like Hassan Reddick already on the roster, a guy that he got projected as far as his comp that got brought up all the time. Well, now he's going to get to play, you know, alongside him and, and learn from him. But, you know, eventually maybe replace him. So and then with Jalen Carter, that's just I mean, that's a natural fit, you know, being back there right next to Jordan Davis. Uh, I don't I mean, that's as, as smooth as transition as you can possibly get. So then for Broderick Jones, we we mentioned with the, you know, the Aaron Rodgers trade and kind of shuffling of the those first round picks. We had all projected Broderick Jones to go to the New York Jets all along. But, you know, again, they went from 13th to 15th. And so at that point, I, I sat there and was like, well, I don't think he's going to get to the Jets. And uh, so, it, you know, it made sense that he was going to go around 13th, 14th pick and thought the Patriots would be a good fit. But the Steelers saw their guy and, and you know, made the move to make sure they got him. And so 
I, I think that's a great fit for him. He has the ability to kind of slide in right there and and be your blindside protector for you know a second year quarterback, and then that's really important. Uh, you're trying to get a guy that you know to, to make some strides in year two and and making sure that he is well protected uh, is paramount. So uh, I, I think it really works out for Broderick Jones. I thought I think he was going to be you know that franchise tackle regardless of of if he was the first, second, or third offensive tackle off the board, he was going to go right there in the early teens. So no real surprises there. And uh, Nolan Smith going at the end of the round, that's just, you know, good value for the Eagles. A guy that, you know, I thought would go in the teens, you know, maybe 15 to 20, uh, but but also just, you know, you know, everything that he brings to, you know, the Eagles franchise, they're getting a guy that as a rookie is going to be a strong presence in that locker room. And I don't think effort or, you know, uh, setting the edge, things like that will ever be an issue for him. He's always going to take a lot of pride in, in, in how he plays. So uh, they got another outstanding player. And, uh, you know, no one gets to, to be a, a first-round pick after, you know, having to kind of stand there on the sidelines for that second half of Georgia's second national championship run. So you, you got to like what you – you know, you saw the NFL still placed a high value on him even though he didn't get to play the second half of the year. and. I think he's got a good situation as well. I think you look at all three very good landing spots and a chance for all three to shine, especially right away. I wrote about this on Sunday, but Broderick Jones, I mean, now he's going to be counted on to protect Kenny Pickett. They they have high hopes for that offense, and I'm really intrigued just to see how he does in that role. When you look outside of the first round, Kip, who is a player that was picked from Georgia that you think could really turn heads that, you know, people may forget about because maybe they were picked on Saturday. You kind of lose track of what's going on, but in the long run could really uh, pay off big uh, dividends for their new team. Well, just a guy that uh, was kind of an afterthought as far as the draft process goes is because a lot of these, you know, high profile guys, but I mean, you look at Warren McClendon, a a guy that, uh, you know, didn't, uh, didn't get picked in the first four rounds, uh, but has played a lot of football for Georgia. A lot of really good film for him. Uh, and you never really had to worry about that, you know, that right tackle spot during his time at Georgia. He just always played consistently well in pass protection, you know, a solid run blocker as well. Uh, but, you know, not a guy that, you know, tests off the charts or, you know, it, when the NFL scouts were looking, they didn't see, you know, like, franchise uh prototypical left tackle from him but you still look at they have uh rob havestein in there he's not getting any younger for the for the rams and i think he's a you know a guy that uh has played good football for them been consistent for them just like warren mcclendon but at the same time uh, i i think you're looking at a situation where warren can come in kind of be their swing tackle for now if they need help at left tackle with Joe Noteboom, uh, he could step right in. But I think right now, backup right tackle with a chance to kind of step in there and, and take over uh, when the Rams are re- ready to move on from Rob. And I, I think, you know, that that could be a situation maybe next year, maybe the year after that, where, uh, you know, he gets an opportunity to be a, a longtime starter in the league. And, and once you plug Warren McClendon in, you might try to re- find a replacement for him, but you might not be able to. Because I think he could have a long career in the NFL. I think that's a really good pick. I'm going to stick with one of his teammates, one of his former teammates, Stetson Bennett. 
I think that this is such an intriguing fit with Stetson going to Los Angeles Rams. And I tweeted this and I wrote about it after the fact. What I keep coming back to is that, you know, the Rams rolled with Baker Mayfield last season. He's a guy that Stetson has gotten a lot of comparison to. I mean, the first time anyone around Georgia really talked about Stetson was when Stetson was playing the role of Baker Mayfield, getting ready for that Rose Bowl against Oklahoma. You know, he did such a good job with the scout team. I think he walks into a good situation. you got a veteran quarterback. They're, they are right now the only two quarterbacks on that roster. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see them uh, add somebody else uh, by the time they get into camp and, and whatnot. But Setson's got a chance to prove himself, and we've seen it happen again and again. You know, it's not lost on me that his home stadium is going to be SoFi Stadium, which, Kip, we were both there. We got to see Setson show out. Um, as weird as, as it was in the rain uh, inside SoFi Stadium. Um, but I think it's a great situation. You know, they are rebuilding, uh, having to reload after sort of, you know, going all in to win that Super Bowl, and you're kind of having the after effect of that. But I think he's a guy, you know, I'm really fascinated once they get into the preseason to try to watch him some just to see what he's able to do, what he shows. You know, there's no pressure on him to play right away. You got Matthew Stafford, um, who has had, such a great career and had a really good run in Los Angeles as well. So really fascinating to see what he does there. My biggest takeaway is he's got a great opportunity and uh, it's just up for him to take advantage of it. And as we've seen in the past, he has usually uh, come through in flying colors and, and passed with flying colors when he's had those chances. Yeah. I mean, yeah, his college career ended with, you know, him meeting uh, Stafford there in the tunnel and, uh, and now he gets to, uh, you know, to learn from him and pick his brain. I think it's an outstanding uh, fit. Uh, I think uh, you look at the Rams coaching staff, and I think it's pretty clear that Sean McVay and them, I mean, they they thought Stetson Bennett was one of the most talented quarterbacks in the draft. And we have kind of s- said that throughout the process that, you know, uh, once again, he's just getting dinged for things that seemingly don't exist. I mean, we know that, you know, some – some things that happened to him after the national championship, you know, as far as the, you know, decision-making that came into question, but then you see the combine and you see him throwing out there with Will Levis in the same group. And the eye test told you that at worst, Stetson was throw for throw with Will Levis making the same quality throws. But I mean, if, if you didn't know who, either of them were and where they're supposed to go in the draft, you'd walk away saying, I mean, Stetson was the best out of that group is what I thought. That's what the eye test told me. And it didn't help Stetson so much as it seemingly hurt Will Levis in my, in my eyes. Cause he was a guy that for weeks, you know, he had the strongest arm. Uh, you know, he told everyone, you know, made claims that he was going to go out there and show off his cannon and it wasn't – I mean, it didn't look any better. It didn't look better than, than Stetson's. And so that's a guy that people were talking about going to the Colts number four overall or being a, you know, one of the first two or three quarterbacks off the board. And, and Stetson matched him, if not, you know, did better than him. And, and so why weren't people talking about Stetson, you know, as being in that conversation when he's, you know, the same size, if not a little bit bigger than Bryce Young, who went number one overall. So you have these questions that he still has to answer. It's like, you know, the him being a former walk-on still gets brought up as part of his evaluation when it's 
who's the best quarterback and, and the Rams that they, they showed. I mean, he's, he was one of the, the top quarterbacks in the draft of them and they feel like they got a steal. So, uh, you know, hats off to Stetson for just sticking with the process and now, you know, having a real opportunity to, to have a meaningful NFL career and continue to prove a lot of these doubters wrong. Let's uh, switch gears and talk a little bit about the transfer portal, Kip. Uh, it officially closed on Sunday with the calendar turning to May. Uh, you look at it, Georgia only had five scholarship players who went in. Bear Alexander, who committed to USC. Ryan Davis, who committed to UCF. Griffin Scroggs. Sean Washington, who have not committed anywhere. And Marcus Washington Jr., who, as we were recording, committed to Louisville. So we will get to that when we get done. Uh, I'll just t- give my quick take, and then Kip, you can chip in and, and uh, chime in with your thoughts. You know, mm-hmm. on the whole, other than losing Bear, which I think he was a very promising defensive lineman, I thought he had a chance to really shine in the 2023 season. On the whole, I think Georgia came out pretty well when it comes to the transfer portal. I was of the mindset that you could see maybe a few receivers leave because they are ridiculously deep at wide receiver. Um, but, you know, you look at the guys who left, Bear was the biggest loss by far. I thought he had a chance to shine, and they're going to have to have guys step up really in his absence as they continue to try to replace Jalen Carter. Uh, but Ryan Davis leaves an inside linebacker room that is ridiculously deep. He was the most veteran guy, so you are losing something there, uh, especially when you consider that you had lost Tresman Marshall this past offseason. Um, but Griffin Scroggs, he was buried on the depth chart. I believe he was the third-team center. At G-Day, Sean Washington wasn't even with the team by the time they opened spring, so his decision to leave was sort of uh, an afterthought, you know, him actually going in the portal. And Marcus Washington Jr., I think, has got a lot of promise, was a guy that reclassified, so he got to Georgia a year early, but there was no path to playing anytime soon. And then you consider they're bringing in several new DBs in the summer. Um, There was no path forward for him. I think he's got a bright future now that he's going to Louisville. Uh, Kip, what are your thoughts on the guys who left? Um, and the hole that might have been left behind by them is still in Athens. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to lose any sleep over Georgia losing, you know, what, 15 guys to the transfer portal this offseason. Um, but the days are also gone of of people making a big deal about it. I remember, you know, when Georgia won that first national championship, I think they had, you know, 12 guys leave in the in the week or two after that. And you know, people called it a mass exodus. And all these, why are all these guys leaving after Georgia won it all? And uh, that's just how the transfer portal is now. I mean, you know, I mean, you look at Colorado. That's an expansion team right now, basically. You know, they're just starting completely over from scratch there. But, you know, Georgia technically had to have some guys leave. And right now, if you look at the scholarship numbers, they're officially, I think, 87 scholarship players, but, you know, you have a guy like C.J. Washington who, you know, unfortunately we we would expect to probably go on medical scholarship at some point. And then, you you know, there's also the possibility that, you know, at least one or if not, you know, two of the or two or more of the incoming freshmen are not first year scholarship players, you know, going on scholarship in year two. George has done that pretty much every year the last, you know, four or five years. So. I'm sure there's a guy or two out there that's, you know, coming in as a, you know, I guess basically a blue shirt. But so right now this this is the roster. And so you look at the guys that left, you know, as we said before, with guys like Amir Speed going in the draft and, and other guys going to other places like Jermaine Johnson going to Florida State, Tyreek Stevenson 
this is just how it's going to be. They're going to lose really, you know, quality players, starting starter caliber, caliber players to other programs. Um, but, uh, you know, you lose a guy like A.D. Mitchell, uh, you, lose, you know, you replace him with Dominic Lovett. And, and the transfer portal, Ra Ra Thomas. Those are guys that are going to come in and, and kind of help your program, you know, if not start, but play meaningful minutes. So, and then with Marcus Washington Jr., then they bring bring in a guy like Smoke Bowie. So, uh, Georgia got some guys in on their own. I think this is the roster Georgia's going to roll with right now as it is, because uh, I didn't really see a kind of a running back that, that might fit what Georgia's looking for. So, I think this is what, you know, Georgia is rolling with. And obviously, Bears, a, a, a a big loss, a guy that has a lot of talent, but they got depth in that room. It might not be like I mean, the guys that we, we've seen the last couple of years that, you know, are top 10 overall picks, but I, I think it's just as far as depth, they're going to be able to rotate in, you know, a good solid eight or nine guys who are, are going to be able to lean in on the offensive linemen and, and, and impose their will in the third and fourth quarter. They, they got depth there. Trey Scott's brought in some really good players. And they got a lot of leadership as well. So it's still a really strong room. And overall, this Georgia roster is just really stacked from top to bottom. And I think you look at those 15 guys leaving, and that shows you how deep this roster is. Those are really good players that left. And still, Georgia's stacked. Every position room on, you know, on the roster has got a lot of depth and a lot of talent. Going to wrap this up real quick with a Georgia Men's Basketball Minute. Uh, as we were getting ready to record this podcast, Georgia gets their third pickup from the transfer portal uh, on the Hardwood USF Center, Russell Chiwa. I'm probably butchering that name, but my apologies if so. Seven foot, 285 pound center has committed to Georgia. Big win. He was a guy that Georgia had targeted for quite a while. He was one of the three guys that were in town for G Day. And two of the three wind up committing to Georgia. I think two out of three ain't bad. So three pickups from the portal. Um, I believe they may have two scholarships still open, so it'll be intriguing to see what happens. But Georgia had to have this, and uh, I think it bodes well for them going forward. Got to win that battle on the boards. Big one for Georgia there. No doubt about it. Well, we're going to wrap this episode up. Appreciate Kip popping on. Appreciate everybody who checked this out. But we are out of here. Until next time, take care. Praise the Lord.